0: Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's way lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. So Sean, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me of course of course it's such a crazy time right now right um you know business in the time of covid and and now we're heading back into winter and we've got elections coming there's just so much going on so it's uh it's an amazing time to be an entrepreneur
1: (laughs) yeah i i for the longest time after uh 2008 2009 i i owned a different business then and uh, the quote came through, uh, at least at the time, I think it was Rahm Emanuel that said it, but I don't think he's the one. But I put it on a post-it note, and it still remains today, don't let a good crisis go to waste.
0: Yeah, there and, you go. Uh,
1: and, that, and that is playing out to be true again.
0: Yeah, isn't that something? Yep. Those of us who've been around long enough to you know have been entrepreneurial in the last great recession, it's sort of like deja vu all over oh. again
1: right i'll trade that one though i'd like to like that 2008 would be awesome right now <laughs> i
0: know <So. laughs> isn't that the truth yeah. at yeah. least that was just like a predictable recession like we kind of know what totally. happens when recessions yeah. happen you, right you
1: you go find a million bucks you 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 buy some distressed properties and 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 then you're good
0: yeah right That's <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah then this one came and now nobody's paying right. rent so yes. there you go right. yeah yeah yeah, so why don't we start by having you just introduce yourself and, and the Honest Bison to the audience?
1: Sure, yeah, sure. Thank you. So uh, my name's Sean Lenihan. I founded the Honest Bison in uh, 2012. Uh, it was kind of an idea before that, and then for the early couple of years, it was a it was a project side hustle to see what, what could happen. We have dedicated ourselves to to providing. Uh, to, to, to creating a brand, a company, that, that consumers can buy their, their meat proteins from, from somebody that they can trust. So that's what we do. Uh, we sell through two main channels. Uh, most, where we're 100% committed to the e-commerce direct-to-consumer. Um, we like to have great relationships with the people that trust us to feed their families. And then we also supply... Uh, larger companies like cpgs that use parts of the carcasses as ingredients so cpg companies also source from us as they too want transparent and trustworthy uh ingredients and supply chains so so that's what we're focused on uh as i said we uh we started in 2012 we've been selling online for for six plus years 2014 we started doing that and uh as this crisis has uh, accelerated things uh buying frozen meat over the internet is more popular now than it was a year ago so so we are we are riding that wave but also um m- meeting challenges um that come along with with the great change uh, yeah so some of those challenges uh, being exciting and others being super scary yeah so that I- so that's where we're at uh we sell bison elk and venison we're going to add hundred percent grass-fed beef uh, from Aurora farms and hundred percent grass-fed lamb from Aurora farms very soon so we're excited to work with with that regenerative uh, farmer um, again the consumers our customers want want outstanding quality they want integrity and that's what we're doing
0: awesome awesome so there's so many things to talk about here oh, so. Yes. So, what, there's so, many. so so, consumers want something with integrity. You started out doing, and it was honest bison, right? So you started out with bison and 100% grass finished bison, not mm-hmm. just fed, right? Yep. And maybe we can just clarify why that's important.
1: Sure. When I was inspired to explore the food movement or the better food movement, lots of things in the universe lined up, and it compelled me to to start asking why uh, 20 times in a row. And uh, for a lot of those reasons that was compelling that to me, I learned that um, many, uh, a disproportionate uh, amount more than I ever imagined, of types of foods or brands that I thought were healthy or thought were um, transparent so forth uh weren't and so uh part of the feasibility analysis that i went through to see what i wanted to do next after you know, uh transitioning from my previous career to, to this so i wanted something that that uh wasn't a commodity but also uh in its purest form was special unique uh healthy ethical uh i later learned that it could be regenerative to the to the um Environment so, um, those things, even in the bison industry, uh, which which owes a lot of credit to, to ranchers who uh, created meat proteins from a, uh, a commodity template, which include which includes um, confined animal feeding operations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even bison uh, and the majority of bison you can bison meat you buy today comes from a feedlot in that template.
2: Um,
0: so that th- that is something that I learned. I was just shocked when I learned that from you. Like right, like bison mm-hmm. has this aura of being, at, you know, home on the range kind of thing, and mm-hmm. we just can't even imagine what buffalo in a confine in a yeah. in a confinement, you know. But but there you are, and that's what. Yeah, it's just I don't know. There's so- something morally reprehensible to me about putting a Buffalo in confinement. Uh, I,
1: I, I agree. And that, that's the, um, hence the opportunity. Right. In the marketplace where, where consumers, um, have a perception of one thing. Yeah. Um, but the reality of, uh, of our food system, the reality of especially livestock, livestock turning into a meat protein, um, Largely, our, our society uh, has, has become or is disconnected from the food system. And right. so you can't, uh, I, I, I want to be, because this often doesn't get talked about, but the, the ranchers that currently have business models that require financially to put it in a feedlot, mm-hmm. um, they, they are the only reason that you can buy bison meat In the market today, other than uh, buying it from your neighbor, um, if you live in a rural area (laughs) and you killed it and you shared it, right? It's a cow, it's a yeah, exactly, right? So, so those would always exist, but but the fact that you can buy it in in most major uh, grocery store change, it's because those entrepreneurs in the livestock industry used a template that fit basically the product market fit on the price Mm -hmm. that they could get. They solved that, so that so so my business, the hundred percent grass fed. Builds on the consumers wanting transparency, needing transparency, their understanding and education of the consequences of feedlot operations mm-hmm. and the, the, the all the the bad things that come with that. But but I do I, I want to take this opportunity on this stage is that the <laughs> the the consumers uh, would only pay so much and previous. Meat marketers could only market a certain way under the certain marketing conditions. So, again, this is a. I think it's an evolution. It's not that uh, it, the bison um, that are grain fed and finished in a feedlot are are not as uh, um, nasty and and horror stories like you find in other livestock. Mm-hmm. But it, it's still it's still a bummer. So, yeah. uh, but there there is a there is a shift in the industry. Um, most uh, there, there aren't any bison being born in feedlots mm-hmm. and then raised all the way through. I know that I think that happens in, uh, it's a beef operations. You know, so they they all start out on pasture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's just it's how they get finished and how how the uh, the cost breakdown sure. uh, dictate that. So so anyway that we we have one hundred percent grass fed bison only uh, because that was uh, that fit our mission of of the highest quality the most ethical. And, and and later in you know a couple of years into it, we learned that oh wow, that, uh, herding grazing animals can sequester carbon and renew right. water cycles, which is uh, uh, all of a sudden even more important. Yeah. So, uh, yeah,
0: so, so we like we the go. way we
1: like, we like the way we do it. Um, lots of the uh, lots of the bison ranchers now are headed in the direction of a hundred of percent grass fed model. So so uh, together, uh, the marketers and the consumers, the processors and the ranchers are, are moving in a great direction.
0: Yeah, so it's an interesting thing if you think about, because it's almost like starting an industry, right? Like we didn't—I mean, there was bison, but it wasn't a mass market product, right? And right. so, it's still to, not. and it's still yep. not, but it's—but you can go to Target and buy That's ground true. bison, right? Yep. So, yep. so to get to that place from nowhere, you need scale, and you need yep. processing, and you need a bunch of things. And by the way, bison are huge animals, so they don't. You need special processing right. facilities that can handle them. So, so all that needed, needed a more conventional, you know, I don't know, the conventional approach that you're describing mm-hmm. um, in order to get the infrastructure in place. And now, you know, you came in being able to say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to focus on is a premium product on top, you know, on top of what is already probably a bit of a premium product. Um, and I, because I have this set of values and, and I know that there are other, um, there are other consumers who are willing to pay more to have that transparency and to be able to see that set of set of that value proposition that you're creating. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, that's, I, got to
1: see, I got to see that in some other brands or when I referenced the, uh, the better food movement. Uh-huh. So this is 2010, 2011.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: People are starting to discover that, that they can, the, the concept of food is your medicine Yeah. or how you eat, what you, uh, what you do eat and what you don't eat can, it is connected so much to not just the, the obvious of health,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <coughs> excuse me, but, but the other things in, in our life, like where, where where that dollar goes, Mm-hmm. Where the people that depend on you um, what you eat and, and your health and wellness uh where you're out on that spectrum is is all connected ultimately then the life of the animal ultimately the the either um the health of this health and fertility of the soil
2: mm-hmm. right so so
1: the awareness starting of that better food movement, of the connectedness of all of it um it is one of those big macro trends that. That, that we wanted to be a part of. We wanted to yeah. uh, help contribute um, to, to a, a better um, better life.
0: You know, and one of the things that I think people... Ha- I mean, that what you described, I think, is every year is growing, right? That, And mm-hmm. I think COVID has probably accelerated that um, from what I'm reading and seeing. I think the next step we get to make that you have made is that... Um, How you raise an animal on a farm has a direct relationship to the biochemical properties of the product, which then have either good or bad effects on you for health reasons, right? So grass-fed meat, it's still beef, but the amino acid profile of it looks a lot more like salmon than it does grain-fed beef, right? Which makes it different for your body than grain-fed beef. And that, like the... That connection to farming systems—it isn't just like a moral thing. It's like it actually creates a different product, for you know, at a biochemical level for a human being. It's it's yeah,
1: yeah, and that's the um, I, I find it's incredibly fascinating uh, as as an entrepreneur. Trying to serve customers, I don't get to dive into the the, the geeky nutrition end of it yeah. as much as I as I did in the beginning before before there were deadlines and cash flows and things like that.
2: Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> the
1: um, but uh, I I think that there is still an, an entire universe to explore, of of nature's systems. And again, what why why did why did Mother Nature connect this to this to this to this, to this and and it goes. To a million times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and then how each of our bodies, um, everything from, um, from the nature to the nurture, our, our mm-hmm. context of, of, of where we live, how we live, um, are, are so consequential um, to what we what we put in our body. And, and so as you get closer to, again, if you look at the what what did our ancestors eat, how did they live to to build what is a pretty amazing um, being, if you will, a, a human. What it means, like how resilient we are and ability to, to do what we do. Looking at that ancestral template, I think is uh, is fascinating. I, I hope the I hope the smart people keep keep diving into research on this. Yeah, no,
0: totally. Uh,
1: there's there's something there.
0: There is, and and there's um, so when I was doing Terra's way, I work with a lot of. Um, Functional docs and acupuncturists and people mm-hmm. like that because they use nutrition and whey is really I mean it's the best sort of source of glutathione dietarily.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So lots of those people pres- quote unquote prescribe um, whey protein because of that. Which by the way you can't get from plant based protein. Um, it's not the right. same amino yep. acid profile. Um, but but those you know those. One of them, who was an integrative doc, gave me a book that was written in the fifties, and I, I can't remember the, the name of the author. It was a French, um, uh, I think, chemist or biochemist or something, who was who already in the fifties in France was was demonstrating that change in the amino acid profile of the of meat as we started feeding animals and treating them differently. And, Mm -hmm. and, and talking about the the health impacts, the adverse health impacts of it. And I, I, it's what's interesting, this, I was just painting, I told you, I was painting in the mountains with Mm -hmm. my daughter, the doctor, who's a brilliant person. I mean, she's a doctor, but she also went to MIT, like, this is a super smart person. Mm -hmm. And we got into the well, we can, she's a vegetarian, and I'm like, well, you know, it actually, she's like, well, but cows, you know, have um, burp all the time, and they're a terrible source of methane. And I'm like, yeah, but that's because of how we feed them, actually. Yeah. It has nothing to do with, they're not, like, walking around in nature. We don't have a bunch of burping animals the way we do. Right. Um, so that those connections aren't are, are, is, there's such an opportunity for brands like yours to I think to help help consumers make the connection between well how we treat this animal actually has a really big impact on on you you right. know personally on your body
1: yeah that's um, and it's it's interesting that when um, you mentioned that conversation how somebody's taking what, what what now has been proved to, to be vegan propaganda uh, right. of, of the, the methane impact of, of uh, ruminants, um, t- 200 years ago, there was anywhere from 30 to 60 million bison running all over this country. Right. Um, th- there are like 90 million cattle in the United States now. There's 400,000 bison on the, uh, on the continent, plus a whole bunch of other animals, right? So, right. so when COVID hit, right, we locked down, and mm-hmm. the air cleaned up, right. Get, guess what was still there? Burping and and uh, right. and farting. Yeah, all those animals. the The animal the animals aren't causing it. The feedlot, yeah. the feedlot. Feed when you concentrate that, are you going to have more methane? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So well, having it in the
1: LA Valley is not good. Uh, yeah. But if you have it, if it if it's on a uh, thirty thousand acre um, pastures, grazing pastures in South Dakota, guess what? There's enough. Uh, carbon sequestration by the grasses versus the animal ratio right it's it's pulling it in
0: and (laughs) i there was when i yeah before i tell people before i did the terrace way thing i ran a cheese company we made animal feed out of waves so it was for calf starter feed and we had test barns and i learned in that that you could change the um the the villi, the structure of a of a ruminant animal's stomachs. So, you know, they have multiple stomachs with mm-hmm. these villi in them to help them digest things like grass that humans can't. Um, it can change in three weeks. So, yeah, wow, the s- physical structure. And so that's why when you take an animal that has been on pasture and you move it into a feedlot, three weeks later, there's the structure of their stomach has changed, and that's that's. I mean. That's where the digestive problems come, and, and when yep. people work on feed regimes, right? They're trying to, they're trying to minimize it, right? You want to minimize yep. it. It's not good for the animal, but but it, so it's not only that that there's carbon getting sequestered when people in when cattle are grazing, right? That's all mm-hmm. true. Yep. It's also a different diet, and the rumen is different, and yep. everything about its digestion is different, and. You know, we need, we need, this is reminding me of organics because like we still don't have really good science about how, you know, is an organic carrot better nutritionally than a non-organic carrot. We don't have, we have no research really on grass-fed anything to say, to document this stuff. But, but there's, we, uh, if you understand the biochemistry of things, you would understand that it, 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 it is in fact something we should know about and cons- you know, consumers should know about.
1: And that's that's one of the, uh, when I spent uh, two years visiting ranches, visiting slaughter plants, uh, going to conferences, learning everything I could about, about bison industry and, and how mm-hmm. it becomes meat, one of the experiences that was incredibly profound, so I went into a slaughter plant where they were processing 100% grass-fed bison and some of those carcasses were hanging in the, uh, the cold room where, where the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the carcass was cooling off. And in that room, they also had some feedlot beef that mm-hmm. they had also processed. And so we could see from one ruminant carcass to the other ruminant carcass, you could see, w- without knowing really any, any, you didn't have to know anything about um, livestock or grazing yeah. or feeding protocols. Just by looking at... Um, how the animal uh, stored fat or didn't st- store the fat,
2: mm-hmm. which
1: one you would uh, pick to be healthy and which one unhealthy
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, it, you didn't have to know anything. yeah you, you could just see, okay, that animal is processing its diet more efficiently.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you can see the muscles, you can see it's it's a healthy connective tissue. you again, you could see the. The fat needed to be around the organs, right. uh, hence the weather. You could also see in that feedlot animal that it was very sick
2: yeah. and
1: it was stressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, again, uh, you know, as a marketer, I thought, wow, this is so profound. This is uh, amazing. People need to see this. And, and then the other uh, awesome marketers on my team said so, no you you can't just throw up uh carcasses on the <laughs> yeah. website and say look everybody you need to eat us so yeah. so we had to as much as i like to share all these stories uh we kind of kind of need to uh, have a time and a place but yeah. uh, but you're right it it's all very real
0: it is real and and what i think is interesting this is why i bring uh, we're talking about it now because i think a podcast is a platform to talk about things yep. like this, right? And yep. and I talk a lot with people who have rich brands like yours do that. Have all, like this really deep value proposition. You can't mm-hmm. you can't talk about all of it, right? You have to no. pick, right? So it, when Yeah. Yeah. And when you so what did you pick when you, you know, like how do you think about that for your brand?
1: The brand I set out to create at its core, it's it's the why we're doing it. It's it's that that I in the end I I want people to trust their food because it's so connected and it's so important and it's such a it's it's arguably the the second most intimate thing we perform as humans. So 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 that and the, the consequences are massively profound. My my previous life as a as a brand marketer taught me and and blessed me and, and surrounded me with. Um, with brands and talent that that tapped into really amazing things and and work and products and services and so so for me to to create the honest bison was was an amazing opportunity um, to to do something that had significant meaning. Um, I wasn't a meat geek or um, an epicurious... Uh, yeah. aspiring yeah, yeah. chef before that wasn't a rancher into like you know exotic animals none of it it's like you know this is a this is an important thing that, that we can do a small part to, to help help people uh, essentially get more connected to, to their food system uh, and, and trust which, which I feel like in you know in, in this day and age uh, current pandemic current uh, socio-political conditions current economic conditions being connected to the truth. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> I, I, right, I'm at a right. loss of words. <laughs> right. Of, of wh- what what uh, what more truth and transparency would feel like in our current right. society. So, so um, so so uh, despite the uh, current crises and and the honest Bison has its has its decent share. Um, it, it does feel good to. Uh, to take a, uh, a truth bath every day and yeah. <laughs> build this company.
0: Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you started uh, in 2012 and at that time, um, you know, the, the one of the things that is so hard about meat is this whole thing, carcass utilization concept that doesn't mm-hmm. exist in other food categories for the most mm-hmm. part, um, at least to the degree it does in meat. So, You you, you knew you you were going to You didn't
1: have to slaughter the entire cow to get your milk. Right. (laughs) Right. right. And you
0: do wheat, you know, yeah, you got the shaft and you do something with it. But it's not like a a carcass, you know, where you have to deal with the bones. You have to deal with all this stuff that people don't buy in a grocery store, right? So, so, um, but you started out knowing you were going to be an online brand, right? I mean, that was primarily your goal.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it's also by deduction, or or. Um, What's the saying go? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. So. The I, I didn't have any experience in in my past marketing life. I didn't have any food experience. I I, I worked on an agency to pitch a pitch a good food brand. So that was a that was a couple of years working with that, but um. But they were. It was all premium, luxury, automotive, consumer electronics, uh, video game, we have premium video game. So, so I didn't have contacts in grocery stores. I didn't know how to uh, help clients sell in grocery stores. I had no connections to the food service industry, executive chefs, wasn't necessarily a restaurant foodie either. So, um, but I knew that people out there, consumers wanted and needed a trusted food service source and I knew that meat had a lot of problems so that the deduction was okay we we've identified how and what the premium product uh, parameters are standards we have some ideas where to get it mm-hmm. uh, sumer limited source which which uh, was a okay by by me as a uh, as one critical parameter was I didn't want to be in a, a commodity um, race to the bottom in pricing. So the, um, the best, most efficient uh, channel in which we could serve customers was online. Right. We, well, so was, again, a macro trend, uh, you know, layering the, the food, better food trend, transparency, truth, trust trend.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: the other trend right uh, right below that that supports that is is direct to consumer
2: online. Right,
0: Right, right, right. Okay. So you started this in 2012. So you are way ahead of the curve compared to everybody else who sort of hit, you know, COVID hit and suddenly everybody's, you know, people are buying stuff online. I saw some data recently that said that 60 percent of shoppers um going into this holiday season plan to buy everything online
2: yeah
1: it's um i i I am uh i I take some uh What's the assurance that, that you're saying I was ahead of the curve? It doesn't yeah. feel like it when you're riding the curve. It uh, doesn't feel like you're the ahead, ahead of anything.
0: Of the curve, it's <laughs> a <laughs> bleeding edge, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. So this is why you get to you've been feeling the blood here, right? Now.
1: Exactly. <laughs> the, it, or or trailblazing is like like if you've ever tried to cut your own trail,
0: it, uh, it's not fun, right? right? right. So
1: right, right, like a, 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 a well-worn path where to the top of the mountain seems uh, seems smarter, but uh, but we didn't do that. So yeah, we, we, again, it was by process of deduction. We, uh, we weren't going to get a grocery store chain. We weren't going to get a restaurant client. Um, but we knew we had something that, that was super important, meaningful. And so online was the commitment and that, and so, so yeah, when we started selling frozen meat over the internet in 2014, um, not very many people did like you had to have somebody super, super motivated for all the benefits, but also somebody super, super motivated for how emotionally um, against they were with the normal distribution infrastructure. Right. So, so, so <clears throat> a lot of uh, my past life and, and then my own fascination as a marketer with consumer psychology,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, movements usually are created when uh, not only is there a benefit, but more importantly, movements are created when something gets so bad that uh, larger and larger groups start to rebel or resist or or dare I say burn down mm-hmm. the institution that they perceive is is uh, not doing them right or, right. or wronging, right? So yeah. so when there's a when there's a revolution to to rise up, mm-hmm. uh, it's usually because um, something is is going wrong. And, and it's, it's not a secret now in 2020 that, that there's lots of things going wrong in food and have been going wrong in food for the last 70 years, maybe more. Um, and and so, so that there's a, again, let's add another macro trend of something to rebel against. The outlet that serves that is like, great, uh, I'm a motivated consumer. I'm pissed about this, this, and this. I'm going to find it online. Here we go, yeah. Google. Lead me to the promised land. Give me my answer, right? Or the Google button. I feel lucky, right? Or I'm feeling lucky. Okay, here. We- so if we can be there for those people, mm-hmm. um, we 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 have a chance. And mm-hmm. and and that uh, that trend is played out. As uh, the other stat that I heard on or saw on the uh, the e-commerce chart was was it took 10 years for the for the e-commerce channel to grow Mm -hmm. and then in the last six months it doubled
0: yeah yeah
1: so so that's uh you know so for the for those of us that uh remember when you had to call a travel agent to get a plane ticket yeah yeah, right or uh you had to call the hotel to book something it's people people are going to source their food uh through these automated ways um going forward
0: yeah. And there was a particular concern about meat, right? Be- anything refrigerated or frozen, because there was like, oh, is cold chain, are we going to, is my meat going to come thawed, yep. right? Or yep. something.
1: Yeah. So that's, uh, in, in, I, I'm, I'm still learning every day. Um, I've had a massive uh, truckload of, of education just even <laughs> in the last six months oh, on, no. yeah. on frozen, uh, frozen shipments. Um, it, it is an area that uh, continues to beg for innovation. Consumers are largely driving driving it. Uh, one example is uh, styrofoam cooler boxes. Yeah. Uh, they they are the cheapest styrofoam box is the cheapest, most effective. And the most effective is the the R value or the the ability for the box to retain the cold uh, coldness inside.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh
1: hmm Uh. Is it's tough to match that. Um, however, that, that our mission isn't to uh, always. know, the, the core mission isn't to uh, deliver a frozen piece of meat. It's it's to serve the the greater connectedness of all of us. So so styrofoam becomes uh, an environmental sin. Right. So so we and we're still working through it. Um, there has been innovation in the space to where there are recyclable uh, fibers that are approaching the, the levels of, of retention. So, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a thing that, that people were, you know, companies would put 10 pounds of dry ice. Right. And in a little box and hand it to FedEx and hope that FedEx delivers it in 48 hours. Right. It's um, that segment of the, of the supply chain, the cold chain, is going through a massive disruption right now. It is not pretty. Um, you, you want real time updates from the House Bison? We're going through a uh, a, uh, a a little train wreck on on that side. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, as, as companies try to help, uh, right. sometimes they they can't do what they they think they can. And yeah. So, so we. I
0: get
1: it. We're, it's back to that bleeding edge, like oh, you're so far ahead of the game, like oh.
0: Yeah. Like well, <laughs> I have, we you know there's other folks that we work with who do who ship meat and they had, I mean, this is the example of the kinds of things that happen, right? FedEx has a new driver comes and picks up in this case at their farm.
2: Yep.
0: Um, they take longer than usual on the route because they're new. They go back to the thing, uh, to the place where they're supposed to unload. They don't get the boxes unloaded. So, now we have meat in the middle of the summer sitting that never got unloaded in the box. And yep. so it's going to end up a day late, which is a yep. problem when you're shipping meat in August, right?
1: If, it, if it's two hours late, you're done. Yeah. Total loss. So that's, that's what's fascinating. I, if I can take this opportunity for you know, the, the audience at hand, the shipping direct to consumer are like basically frozen boxes of anything. hmm it, it is a sharp knife. And <laughs> oh, in that, no. that you can cut yourself. Like, you, you can do great things with it. Like, oh, great. People look at it like, wow, the honest bison. The prices that you're charging and, like, you must be crushing it. Right. But what you don't see is that uh, we, we had 50, 60 orders uh, that the fulfillment house didn't, uh, didn't uh, pack properly. They right. didn't use our specs. And... Uh, all those customers received defrosted meat. Oh now, God! It, yeah. So so you think okay you you lost the cost of goods sold. Right. I, we have a policy of of guarantee. So so if if, uh, if you're a consumer and you trusted the honest bison to deliver some some special meat, that the animals did their job, the uh, rancher did their job, the processor did their job, the the truck drivers on multiple sets did their job. The marketers did their job, right, with, with, a, with a good website. They got your thing. But, but let's, also, let's also acknowledge the animal sacrificed its life for the nutrition, uh, for nourishing uh, that consumer, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's profound. That's serious. Yeah. At the same time, then, back to some of the model of the, uh, the whole carcass utilization, if there were four ribeyes in there and two filet mignons and a couple of pounds of ground,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't get to just go buy... Four rabbis, two flies, right. and a couple pounds of ground. There's a whole nother animal right. that needs to exist that I need to be able to afford, and I need to do the whole carcass utilization, who's buying the bones, to replace that box. Right. So so the, the direct-to-consumer frozen fulfillment is a super sharp knife. Um,
0: yeah, and we're not there. So <laughs> yeah. what's interesting is it's like the, the whole... Um, uh, what Covid has is exposed all these supply chain problems, right? I mean, just to get stuff to traditional retail has been a problem in meat. Um, and now you're adding this new layer on it that it's we're not used to shipping, you know, we're not used to delivering food online to the degree we do right now. Plus it yep. has to be have whole chain. Uh, secure all the way across the, the supply right. chain and it's stretching things big time right yep. right now
1: yep
0: yeah here's the and uh, you, so and you you're, can you're, see why people get to the place where you know the a kind of all um i want to call it alternative now so i'm thinking of a company like nyman ranch meats yep has been doing they were you know, doing it before it was cool they were doing it before yep. it was cool yep um and they but i'm they they were primarily they still are primarily retail and food service right they do a little bit of online but but eventually they ended up having to own the processing because they they were just just traditional distribution they didn't have enough control
1: yeah that's um
0: it's yeah
1: i saw i saw that happen with um i i work closely with uh rocky mountain natural meats yeah. They, they largely, uh, they along with Turner Enterprises and a, and a few key other, uh, I'll say founding members of the bison industry, uh, uh-huh. built, built up bison to be accessible and distributed. So, so they, they had to do the same thing. The, the, yeah. the slaughter plant was not keeping up the standards. So it was hurting financially. It was hurting um, process-wise. And, and ultimately, they built their own slaughter plant. And, and they, they operate now in a, in a highly efficient, professional the standards are, are world class and so so it's um
0: vertically integrated way and that's
1: yeah, the Yeah, yeah and that, it's like if you're gonna hold it to a high standard and like that's that's kinda one of the only paths which of course then connects into your mission. Who, who's, coming, who's coming to the table with that money? Right. Right? So this this is um it's a it's it's a fascinating puzzle. The the other thing i wanted to layer in there because you you keep, you seem to be pushing all the amazing busts that that hit on the big trends that that uh, what what nyman has had to do uh, others that are on similar missions it's highlighting that the best food on earth is underpriced yeah if if i have to if i have to uh, swallow you know it's, uh, our average order value is Two two hundred to three hundred dollars,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and so so that's not a cheap thing for consumers, right. and it's not a cheap thing um, for anybody really in the equation, in- including the animal, right? So so I think that's a big trend, and why I think better food marketers or brands still have a lot of heavy lifting to do to educate the consumers on on, on the true value of the best food. Yeah. So so it's uh, a lot of it's underpriced.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no and I I, I totally agree with that. Um that and I see that especially with farmers who who, you know, start direct marketing because you know, they they mark it up as though they were selling maybe to a distributor or something, but I'm like, "No, look at what go to a grocery store. What yeah. would, what would it cost in a grocery store? Plus you have all this other added value to what you do because now they can know their farmer and they can, you know, even if they aren't doing regenerative practices, there's still added value. So um,
1: What's, and I agree. That's the I applaud any farmer who wants to try and vertic- vertically integrate direct to consumer. However, I, I also fear for their for their survivability and resilience because they, they may not have looked at the business model. Of a grocery store, right? Because they, like, can, can a can a vertically integrated uh, little farm that draws a radius around itself to do it? Have they looked at how a grocery store can lose money on um, commodities? Mm-hmm. How they can uh, make massive margins on some products, right? Versus and and then next to zero or negative on others, right? Uh,
0: like ham if you're direct made. to
1: consumers, yeah, right. What, what, what part of a farm visit can can they have products that are lost leaders? It's mm-hmm. not in the model, right. So the pricing has to be massively different. Which of course the consumers come in like, wait, sixteen dollars a pound for ground? What? Like, mm-hmm. no, no, that's actually a really good price. It should be twenty. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. No, if we ever, you know, um, we don't talk about this. I was, I was an undergrad economist right when and actually grad school yeah um in in economics before i became a business person and actually i thought it i think it's really good training to be a business person anyway. Right? teach you how to think um but <laughs> among other things <laughs> among other things yeah but about about, about economics and systems right. and how you make money and don't and stuff um but anyway um at that, at that time, now this was a while ago, we actually talked about externalities, right? The, like, like, costs that, it could be benefits, it can be positive or negative, but things that aren't captured in a market transaction, right? Because everything isn't. So the cost to human health of having meat that has a different amino acid profile is not captured in the price of that meat, Right. Yep. Those ex the the cost to the environment, if not those those externalities, mean we oversupply things and we underprice them. Right. If we had to recognize all that, it would be way more. And now we get with a product like yours that is trying to recognize it because is because you have the diff you have the alternate value proposition that doesn't have all those negative externalities in it. So it's really hard for people to. And you're a great marketer, so you understand this and have been able to do this is create a brand that is strong enough to overcome some of that, anyway. Maybe not all of it.
1: Well, we have a we have a great foundation, uh, and taking from my past life, I worked with brands
2: mm-hmm. that
1: had great products, so yeah. I was always um, super grateful, but also fascinated that. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the brands I worked with for a long time was Lexus. Yeah, and I saw the things that they got to do in marketing. They hired a lot of us agency people to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They they always got to stand on their product and say, "Look, here's the performance. Right. Here's its durability. Here's its here's its features. Here's the service we provide. So, so 100% grass-fed bison that regenerates the soil
2: mm-hmm.
1: is is an amazing foundation to build on. The the part that's left to do better, and thank you for the compliments on our ability to, to build a trusted brand and, and market well, sure. we, we can do a million times better. There's so much more education that we can do, there's such uh, richer stories that we can do. Yeah. Um, the, it, it takes money,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? The consumer's gotta believe in us and, and, and pay to, to support us. Um, we, we need a we need a finance infrastructure that that, that uh, allows us to grow to demand. Yeah. So I think it's um. It, it's it's uh inspiring for me to to uh take on that mission uh go on that uh that journey because there's such a great uh great foundation. Yeah. There there to do it, but th- but there's massive amounts of uh, innovation upside on the processing side. Uh. On the, I uh, talked about what we can do on the marketing side, but there's a, and then there's the um, then there's the whole carcass, right? And so right. I, I don't know if you want to talk more about that, but no, like, I
0: do want to talk about so, a whole carcass, um, because I think I I think um, you know, so we just the supply chain thing. Clearly, we gotta we gotta innovate on supply chain, and yeah. that and clearly that means. So I work with lots of other brands doing lots of things. I mean people who do um, things in jars you start selling your yep. sauce in jars they amazon breaks them right yep. they send or it Trader to amazon yep. amazon yep. puts it in a box and they then yep. it, and it's not packed right and it breaks and then they get bad reviews and like this whole this whole switch of buying food online is not comfortable yet we're not there yet nope. No, nope, we're middle still early in the is, game. We're still early. And there are major snafus that farm. I mean, not only did they, did they have that whole issue, but it was when they were doing a big promotion to get more stuff out to more people and really build their list. So they did this big event promotion. And that was when the new driver came and left everything on the truck. Yeah. Right. 50 yep. new customers or whatever it was. So, yeah. As a, yeah, as a little
1: tangent I, say, I never get the opportunity to say this for, for everyone out there who's a consumer but also then business owners, make make great personal friends with uh, your truck drivers. Seriously? If you're a consumer if you're a consumer getting stuff to your house, make friends with your drivers uh, they, they can ruin not only the uh, products that you're ordering and buying, but they can ruin the companies uh, that are, are trusted paying them to ship it right yeah. so it's uh so d- so do that please if you're an yeah. entrepreneur or a consumer isn't that no, interesting yeah. like Ma- we make think friends that with there's... those truck drivers
0: right and and we think well we're ordering it online we're taking people out of it but there's no. still people in the no, equation right like the, there's yeah. real
1: people that like they're essential workers you know when uh yeah. when it started uh the pandemic started I, I knew my supply chain would be good as long as the truck drivers didn't get
0: right
1: sick. right it, it, they haven't gotten sick but they, but they're stressed yeah, yeah no. So, the
0: system is so overwhelmed; it's yeah. stressed. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk about carcass utilization here. So you got a, you got this big buffalo, and everybody wants to buy the tenderloins and the ribeyes. Yeah. What do you do with the rest of it?
1: Right. And so this is um this is both a a uh, challenge in the sense that that there's a there's parts of the animal that are financial liabilities. However, they are, they're absolutely nutritional assets that have not been um, captured. So uh, I'm going to use some round numbers uh, just for, for ease of the conversation. Uh, we, we buy the carcasses and we pay by the pound on uh, hanging weight, right? So that, uh, yeah. if you're not familiar with the slaughter process, the animal is uh, killed and then hung, right? Skinned and then hung, cut in half, and so it can start to cool. So that the weight, that the carcass is, all of the uh, the internal organs, uh, the head, everything that is not a part of the weight, hide is not in there. So so that weight, it on on a or at least with bison, it's uh, about twenty to twenty five percent bones. Now, anybody who's been into ancestral health, or paleo, or food is your medicine, or Weston A. Price will know the value of bone marrow, of bone broth. Uh, if you're a raw pet feeder, you know the value that uh, a raw bone can be for, for your pet, your canine. I, I have tens of thousands of bones that, that aren't getting to... Uh, the nutrition isn't being captured either by humans or by pets. And so, so, so if that was... Uh, and since I paid, Several dollars for those bones, and I'm getting zero guess guess what has to be more the ground and the roast and the steaks all have to do heavier lifting so so actually if if uh in in a weird bizarre way if if people put the equal value of nutrition on bones and uh organ meats that uh that they could get they could get steaks. Probably for less. Yeah. Um, or <laughs> I could invest in better packaging <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs>
1: on my boxes of frozen meat. So so the the uh the connectedness again uh goes even deeper to the micro level of the carcass. Yeah. Of like, okay, oh you you didn't buy any marrow bones or knuckle bones with your filet mignons? All right. I gotta I gotta find somebody who will. Yeah. So yeah. I think um this is just giving me an idea. Maybe I need to do a special box. <laughs> if you want your That's steaks nice. for cheap, you got to buy the bones and try out a broth recipe. Um,
0: I love that idea. Yeah, I mean, right? I just like, would watch, you
1: you do it? So I would
0: do it. So <laughs> I I you know what do you do in the time of COVID? I w- we've been we've been binge watching Anthony Bourdain's oh, series. Oh, yes. it's amazing. Right?
1: Yeah, I love. I've watched I everyone. I love
0: it. Um, yep. And and w- went way back to the beginning and in the early ones, he's going to places and, and it bec- it, it's sort of a theme of going to places that where they are cooking with the meat that was left over that nobody wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's all the organ meats. And I don't, I don't think we've had anything that had bones, but it's definitely organ meats and intestines and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah. There could be like a special box that is like in honor of Anthony. Bourdain.
1: I love that idea because it's, um, and, you know, this is an opportunity knocking right here on this, on this podcast is that the, I think there's now, I know there's more people now that'll take their Instapot that they've had. They've only used probably three times in the last two years. And if, if I can equip them with some education, like buy this, this, and this, and this, I'll make a great deal. And, and they get to experiment with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and make something that's truly nutritional and or and even more so it's nourishing. Mm-hmm. Whether they drink it straight, whether they add it to uh to their Instapot. Right. <laughs> um I, I just had elk short ribs uh last night and I used uh, the elk bone broth that I I usually just drink straight, but I needed a recipe call for broth. It's really Right. A, truly amazing. So the the um the part of this, so this, this whole animal carc- carcass utilization, it's, it's a business model, and, and you're the perfect person to ask this. It's like, are there, because I haven't spent the time to step back and like, what other business models in, in the um, inherent uh, rigidity of the model has to take a single unit thing and has to break it apart And sell the parts, as opposed to the opposite of, if I'm going to build a car or a phone, I'm going to take multiple parts, manufacture multiple parts, and assemble them and make and sell one thing.
0: Yeah, and and it's an interesting thing when you think about it. It's going to be natural things that have that characteristic, right? True, right. Like a tree. You you harvest a tree and you get stuff that becomes pulp and you have stuff that becomes boards right. and you have stuff you know what i mean and so, fruit and leaves and, and compost
1: and, and right yep,
0: yep 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 so it's going to be natural things that have this characteristic and meat is just a, a particularly severe version of it and right. and actually on that on last night's binge of anthony bordani talked with somebody about and I should go back and get you which episode number it is because you could put it with your box. He talks he's talking to the chef about how before the 1950s, people knew how to cook with this stuff in the United States yeah. and now we don't anymore. But it's yeah. actually a relatively new thing that people didn't know what to do with this stuff.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's probably more relatable than the ancestral model of hunter gatherers. And if you just spent two weeks chasing a bison around or an elk or whatever, you, gosh darn it, you're going to eat, <laughs> you're gonna eat
2: every thing. single thing, right? Because <laughs> right. Right? Like, I'm, I'm really hungry that. now yeah, after totally. two weeks of chasing right, exactly. this thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. But, and then, you know, European cu- um, cuisine has all, all I don't know, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, yep. French, French, they all yep. have these amazing German, pro you know, Pates and sheep yeah. you know sheeps, all that stuff that is using all those organs that we don't know what to do with anymore it's like we got to rediscover that the bones is a whole thing though that's yep. a that's a whole that's a yep. whole thing yeah yeah
1: there's there's, there's uh, I've worked with a, a handful of broth makers uh, talking to some of some of them that it's hard for them to make money even though they make incredibly yeah. Nourishing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, delicious broth. Mm-hmm. It's hard for them to make money, and so again, this th- again, um, a bigger thing. I think this is a this is an opportunity for industries, opportunity for for entrepreneurs. Um, is it maybe an opportunity for ranchers? I, I have a different opinion on that. It is that to to become instead of price takers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They. The food industry needs to do a better job of price making.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, the the automotive industry is awesome at price making. Yeah. Uh, consumer electronics, awesome. Yeah. Um, entertainment is awesome. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, it, you, how come I I can pay sixty dollars to Activision for for essentially an entertainment experience, mm-hmm. but yet I'm not willing to pay twenty dollars a pound for something that uh, will truly keep my fa- family uh, right healthy and fueled right uh what's wrong with that
0: right well and this is maybe this is going to be one of the really positive things to come out of covid because part of the problem is you didn't and you you know average consumer going to a grocery store there's not enough um real estate on a label to tell a story of any substance right so All you can talk about is one thing or two things. And so things get so simplified that you can't convey the value proposition. But now we have people shopping online. There's a much bigger opportunity to convey right. a richer story around a brand.
1: Right. But well, people, uh, people can back check you. Yeah. Your, um, and will. Like, like the Honest Bison Reviews. Type yep. that into Google. See what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can do that to any brand yeah so the again the the transparency isn't decreasing no what what's the, what's disruption is that those who haven't been transparent mm-hmm. or don't want to be transparent the, their gig is uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, <laughs> uh, risk prone right <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, right for disruption
0: yeah. Right, right. And, and, you know, some of the folks that are going to get disrupted are trusted brands in a different way. They've been around forever, right. right? And yep. so people people trust them for a different reason just because they've seen them forever. And then they start, a different generation comes in and cares about different things and they're asking questions mm-hmm. and they're in a different way. And it pushes the those brands in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're, you're working on carcass utilization. That sounds, and, and some big challenges right now for you are carcass utilization, the whole fulfillment, um, supply chain, the cold chain. Um, um, and, and you just, you, um, we should talk about that because you said that you sell online and then you then you supply ingredients to companies. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that side of your business. So mm-hmm. that's partly related to carcass utilization, right?
1: Well, it is absolutely a strategy. Yeah,
0: it,
1: it is a carcass utilization strategy that's required to complete the profitability of the business model. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. The with, with the way we chose to build our brand, yeah, we it was very intentional that we even though our mission at its core is we, we would like people to trust the food, and uh, so to, so that trust means they, they understand uh, why we do things, where we do things, how we do things, they and they understand the uh, benefits and the consequences right, of, of their eating uh, choices and how the, the economic consequences, like where they spend their their uh, food investment, mm-hmm. the, um, and all of that is, is to create a, a healthier community because we, mm-hmm. we, we all live together, right? So, so we want that. Now, how do we do that? Well, it's not going to be, hey, this is really healthy for you. Nope. That's not what consumers buy, right? Or at least most. Right. But... You put a picture and, and, and then deliver an amazing tomahawk steak that has uh, the perfect amount of grass-fed uh, fat on it, and, and that prepared in, in its best format um, is, is not only aspirational, but totally delivers on, on or exceed, often exceeds the expectations. Mm-hmm. So... And, and if people want to back check it, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> go mm-hmm. to the website or, or just Google uh, Autism Bison Reviews and you'll see like, yep, the product delivers on on the marketing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, how we position it. So so if we're appealing to those more more lizard brain, wow, I really, that really looks appetizing to me. I want mm-hmm. to share that. I want to talk about it. I want to learn about it. Uh, much the way those brands that I worked for in the past over delivered on the on the uh, brand and product equation that they were uh, generating, mm-hmm. we knew we had to do the same for 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 uh, for the meats that we serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it's it's then it's then working out like okay, so obviously right? No marketing genius like the steaks are going to sell, you're going to get the premium. It's then working backwards of okay, you, you sold all the steaks, but you still have a hundred pounds of uh, trim or ground mm-hmm. that uh, the people uh, aren't willing to buy yet on the internet. Okay, so what other what other sales channels does this product have value? And so that's where we've had a long partnership with uh, Epic Provisions um, before they were acquired by General Mills, after they were acquired by General Mills. So so we work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you're if you buying the 100% grass-fed bison uh, SKUs, I think there's four... Um, our bison goes into the into their products, so so that helps us, um, and it helps them. Mm-hmm. We also are the exclusive supplier to uh, Green Juju, which is a pet food broth. That, by the way, is human grade. You can drink it yourself if you want. Hmm. But uh, but that entrepreneur uh, is is making bison bone broth with, hmm. with our 100 grass-fed bones. Oh, and selling ba- it for pets. Yeah, Yep, selling it for pets and and uh, and certain feeders, uh, dog feeders, um, mm-hmm. can, can use that. And so, uh, we we also sell some fat to uh, Fatworks, mm-hmm. and and they make a, a bison tallow. So, so we are all working together in this little ecosystem. There's still upside, meaning yeah. uh, meaning the the the, the livers and, and there's room for more trim. Um, it does t- it, it does need to be in a, or I said, I said the the relationships between the clients and the suppliers or the mm-hmm. manufacturer and the supplier, uh, as best I can tell, and, and I have no interest in operating in this m- mode, but it can't be in a commodity format or a bid format or an auction format of,
2: mm-hmm.
1: hey, uh, so-and-so will give it to me for a nickel less, right, I'm gonna buy right. the, uh, okay, but you realize. <laughs> yeah. A, I'm going to send this somewhere else, and you may not ever have access to it again. Um, or, w- there's a, um, or and, there also has to be a, a cooperative relationship to where I need to provide the ingredient at a profitable price for the client,
2: mm-hmm. so they
1: can make money. At the same time, they have to be willing to pay uh, a cost plus format, cost of production, plus a little margin so we can sell it to you next year. Right. That, that, that works in, in, in more of an ecosystem
0: mm-hmm. as
1: opposed to a, a binary I win, you lose.
0: Right. Uh, well, it,
1: and that, that, that I win, you lose thing is, is prevalent in, in other uh, meat protein commodities.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, uh, it, it, can't, it doesn't work for the, for the better food system. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, because you're bringing these unique products and you can't fit into the commodity part, right? That, yeah. it, it's like the holistic, you need the holistic solution and it, needs, it takes an ecosystem. Yeah. 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 No, that makes a lot of sense. So, so you, you've, um, you know, you're a visionary sort of person. What do you see, you know, what do you see in the future for Honest Bison? I, I st- still
1: see uh, growing demand. Yep. That uh, is both a massive opportunity and a massive challenge. Yep. Uh, How which, much should you grow
0: this year? In just in percentage oof. terms.
1: Uh, four hundred.
0: Four hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, four hundred percent growth is is hard for any business to do.
1: I'd have been if you talked to me in January, like. Uh, Sean, what's it going to feel like to grow 400%? Like, that's going to be awesome in eight years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> I'd have been totally good.
0: Yeah, right. And it totally happened good. in six months. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, um, the, it, it like, I, I want another, to add another layer to the, to the ecosystem I just described between, yeah. um, manuf- And I don't really like, you know, using the terms that the industry uses where it's a manufacturer or, or brand and then supplier, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or Greece, I, I come from uh, marketing services in the past, so it was client and vendor or client and agency or client, agency, vendor, or subcontractor, right? So th- it, it really does need to be viewed in a more holistic way. And the, and the, the, the part that we didn't just talk about is is, is the role, the, the critical role of the consumer,
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So so we I think I, I uh, hinted that we've had some challenges in uh in fulfillment and shipping frozen frozen meat to consumers. So some consumers have very little patience, empathy, or understanding of the complexities of of what it takes to deliver this. Mm-hmm. Some some are uh, frustrated but forgiving,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and others totally get it, are super patient, empathetic, understanding. They they still they they absolutely require. Um, transparency and communication to, to maintain their trust right, right right so so the role of the consumer and this is a, you know your your audience is perfect for this is entrepreneurs being able to tap in and, and making sure that not only the parameters of the product in my case it's the soil the animal the rancher the processor the truck drivers that, you know of the animals of the boxes of the packing right of the materials, Of what we do in our communication always um, has to include that consumer Mm -hmm. um, because as soon as they uh, stop entering their credit cards right it it doesn't matter it doesn't nothing else matters and so if if consumers the more education in the marketplace the more transparency the easier it's gonna get for everybody everybody in the better food movement Mm Right? The air, airlines taught us all how to uh, click, click, click on our phones and we can get a plane ticket to anywhere in the world. No, Nobody questions that anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If we can do a good job in the Better Food Movement of educating the consumers, um, we'll, we'll, we'll have a little easier time.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, no, and I think it's about price, like the yep. value proposition price. It's educating consumers about how... Farming methods actually create different, pro- uh, steak yep. isn't a steak, right? Like, right. Um, and therefore it needs to cost more. Um, so price, but also just the, the reality of the logistics of this right yep. now, it's not clean. It's not a well-oiled yep. machine. And it's yep. often not the, the food brands issue. It's what happens in between that is the issue yep. where things are breaking down.
1: I think, so you also asked about, um, like, what do I see, you know, that, that vision. Yeah. Uh, this I haven't seen yet. Um, or there are examples of people doing it right, but but the processing of, of a carcass into a meat protein mm-hmm. in a better way is, is massively ripe for uh, disruption and a huge upgrade. Yeah. Um, the the big giant machines, the Cargills, the Tysons, Hormel's and so forth. The COVID has shown their um their downfall or their uh
0: right. the downside the, we, the, we, of the weaknesses. One, yeah. Yeah, one processing plant um right. I can't remember what it was that did 10% of the entire United States supply. Yeah, there's beef, a
1: Cargill right? in South Dakota that right. had like 6,000 employees or something like that. Right. Right. So or it might be the wrong brand. But nonetheless, there there are those factories right that um, require confined animal feeding operations that already produce massive amounts of E. coli, listeria, mm-hmm. etc. other other pathogens, right? Other viruses. It's the perfect thing the recipe you would do for for the next uh, you know, COVID 21 Mm -hmm. so so the so those um infrastructures um are less valuable now today than they were um last year Mm -hmm. so therefore the small little regional uh guys that are closer to the source um they they have to be in rural areas they need to be closer to the animals Mm -hmm. right as opposed to closer to the consumers yeah and and the uh, ability for them to change species easily, mm-hmm. for them to be able to actually deliver a a product that the consumers understand. Again, this is a bridge. Um, lots of little butchers do a catch weight. So if they mm-hmm. cut uh, if they cut cut the export rib, where which is the, the subprimal where the uh, those tomahawk ribeyes come from, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be uh, like twenty four different weights. That's catch weight
0: mm-hmm.
1: I am super lucky I've got uh, a couple processors that can nail it and they do 16 ounces right Th- that's easy for uh, for me to sell and easy easier uh, for the customer to buy right but that's hard for the processor
2: right so,
1: so there's innovation in there where the processors can uh, build a bridge to to get something to, to value add around portion cutting, and um, portion cutting um steaks, roast, et cetera, right? So so I see it, there's just not enough of them. Um,
0: right, and this technology is at a scale where all the innovation and in technology, this is classic with food, happens for large-scale manufacturing, and, and it doesn't happen necessarily at smaller scale. You know what I mean? So even if there's a so, solution for that at large scale, it doesn't translate into smaller-scale plants. So,
1: yep. Okay, go ahead, sorry.
0: The other part in meat is how, you know, the the whole um, industrial model of meat is they they solve the problem of having the ribeye needing to be the same size by creating confinement
2: yep.
0: facilities, right? With yep. standardized feeding protocols and every, none none of the animals get to get more exercise than the other or whatever. And that's how they achieve that. So they, yep. the problem you just identified actually isn't solved at in the processing at large scale either they solve it in a different way in a way that that we don't want it solved anymore right that's the,
1: that's uh a, a part that uh i knew but I had forgotten because the the feedlots get to slaughter every week right i i get to slaughter once maybe twice a year and right. so
0: that's part so of that's, the equation, yeah. and they and they've been in a feedlot. They yep. all get feed exactly the same thing. Yep. They get the same amount of everything. And, it's and it's number is, of
1: days, not number of years. Yep. Yes,
0: and and so they they achieve the sixteen ounce ribeye in a different yep. way. Um, but but that doesn't mean there isn't an opportunity. There's definitely an opportunity oh, yeah. to yep. for for innovation within processing facilities. Yep. I mean. When we did Terra's Whey, we bought. Our, we had to build a plant because there was no whey plant in the world that could switch between and segregate different kinds of protein, right, um, yeah. at the time. So organic goat could, or organic cow and goat whey and um, RBGH-free whey, like they had to keep them separate through the whole process in order mm-hmm. to be able to sell organic. There was no plant that could do that.
2: Yep.
0: So... Yeah, the the creating these niche products requires segregation and processing, yep. and that is not—it's kind of runs counter to the you know streamline, make everything the same industrial food model. So
1: that brings me to my next. Uh, it, It's—I don't know if it's a vision or more of a a, a wish, a mm-hmm. hope. Yeah, uh, I'll go as far as say a cry for existence is is the innovation around capital Mm
2: -hmm.
1: in in the better food space Mm -hmm. there there are more and more talking about regenerative um food and agriculture and and the 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 capitals desire the investors the institutions that have the capital however i've yet to see an impact yeah i i I don't I, i know a bunch of entrepreneurs uh, who are in this space, and I do not see money coming from those institutions yep. that are saying that they want to do it, and then and then truly doing their due diligence that understands that it is a completely different model. It is not a software as a service model. It no. is not an economies of scale um, miracle of manufacturing. It is not a quarter by quarter performance metric. It is It is not... A, a five year uh, exit. Right. It, it is not a, and this is the biggest thing, it is not a I win as an investor, you lose.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: As, a, as an entrepreneur or a consumer or a, uh, a processor service provider or a rancher
2: mm-hmm.
1: who still structurally has to live more in the price taking bucket. Mm -hmm. as opposed to the price making bucket and so the the opportunity for innovation or essentially a i don't know if innovation is even the right word it needs to be a recalibration of um the appropriate financial capital structures that help the better food movement
0: yeah no i i find it um I find it really interesting because um, I go to, I interact with the impact investment community quite a bit. Um, and, and people look at me like I'm crazy because they'll say, like, well, what kind of capital do they need? And I say, well, they need working capital. Of course they need working capital. Well, yep. we can't do that because there's no collateral with that. We can't do yep. that as equity because there isn't enough upside. I'm like, Okay, so you keep trying to make these things into conventional agriculture or conventional food, or worse, a tech company. Yep. And and you can't. It doesn't work that way. So until you guys are willing to change your return expectations, we're going nowhere. Yep. And the the sad thing about that, like, well, the, there's so many sad things, but it means that um, brands like yours have to grow slowly way slower than they would if they, if capital were available because you have to like the only people and they don't often do it either but the only people are very conventional, right? Who yep. who actually are doing stuff. Um, so and then you got then you have this twenty four hundred percent growth this year and, and conventional capital can't keep up with that.
1: No so no it's worse. Yeah. And, and, and because you advised me, you know this, uh, that happened without any capital. I know. I take that back. I get it. There were some. There were some. There were some.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so, so, but, but nearly not enough. We were undercapitalized. No.
0: Oh.
1: Um, and I think it's pretty safe to say if you wanted to do an autopsy or, or whatever that financial word for looking through mm-hmm. what the company did, there's no question in my mind uh, if we'd had the proper capital tools, financial tools mm-hmm. uh, in the first three years, we would be 10 times as big today. Yeah, We'd be buying 10 times the amount of animals,
2: mm-hmm.
1: 10 times the amount of people would be uh, eating better food. Yeah, The only governor on our growth has been capital. Mm-hmm. Which, like that's, that's really the biggest, um, the biggest obstacle. Like the ranchers are willing to do it, the animals are doing a great job, the processors are moving that direction. Uh, they're adapting. They're evolving. They're innovating uh, to a certain extent. Um, we're shipping frozen box of meat, <laughs> sort of okay. Um, but again, the 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 money is still on the sidelines, and the um, it. I would I would add another word to the to you, you said uh, working capital. It patient capital,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or uh, I know some in the in the space are talking about it, and they're calling it regenerative capital.
0: Yeah, But
1: they got to come to play. Like they can't
0: can't be like, yeah,
1: woohoo, cheering on the sidelines. Yeah, so that
0: patient capital is another trap, right? Because I talk to people, you know, I'm looking for that patient capital. Well, is it it working capital? Is it to buy land? Is it to buy equipment? Like you have to. um, That's true. We need patient versions of all of those things. And and, and honestly, it when you're buying farmland and you're buying equipment, you can get a bank to do that. Right. Right. Not a hundred percent of it, but 80% of it. You can cause there's so much collateral with it. So where I see the biggest need, and that's definitely true for you is working capital, which is yep. all the stuff you need to, to buy animals right. and inventory. process it and yep. inventory. And, and advertising and yep. the hardest capital to get. And the regenerative, Investment community keeps saying, well, where's the collateral? I'm like, well, that's not the point, folks. Um, the point is that there isn't, if you really are serious about this, you're going to get into the working capital business, patient working capital business. Right. You know, and I I, um, I was, when Witty Tash wrote Slow Money, right? Yeah. I was, mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent of that book, because like, he identified the fact that there is this disconnect um, yep. and that we need a different kind of capital. Where, where that sort of falls apart is the notion that people should be willing to do it for free. Investors should be doing willing to do it for free, yep. which is kind of where that evolved to. And that's not realistic either. Um, what, I, what I see, though, is, is the opportunity for something in the middle. Right. Yep. Something where people are going to be aligned better and understand, really understand what kind of capital is needed and the timeline of the capital. Right. So that right. we could get these things working. All of regenerative ag suffers from this. It's not just your business. It's it's as you know, so, it's it's so all then, suffering from it then, right
1: then, now. So here's isn't isn't this. Um... I really want your perspective because you're you're at the pulse of this. You're 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 creating the movement yourself in in your organizations and what you do, your mission. But isn't this a massive disconnect between all the the big macro trends that we just talked about? Is that far disconnected from from Let's put it, but it's it's also risk capital. Yeah. Like you can screw it up, right? Yeah. The entrepreneur, the rancher, the processor—they can all screw. it. It's a perishable product to a certain extent. Yeah. So, so like, like, where's the risk? So, so that, like there's a big disconnect with such a massive opportunity on, on multiple levels from uh, micro consumer trends. People wanna uh, cook food, right? In their yeah, kitchen, right? They wanna yeah. learn, right? All the way to, hey, uh, how you spend your um, food dollar affects the uh, health of the environment. Mm-hmm. Like th- that's from the smallest, what am I having for dinner tonight? to the, uh, the future, um, estimates of 60, uh, harvest left in, in our, uh, in our ecosystem. So holy smokes, uh, financial capital, <laughs> right. You, you're, you're missing an action.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and it's not funny. <laughs> it, no. And it's getting, it's getting to be, it's getting to be a big problem. I mean, what, what I, what I find, um, how to say this? What I find encouraging—it's it, not fast enough, but I find encouraging mostly coming from Europe, um, because they're they're more willing to to admit that climate change on a policy level they're more yep. you know political level willing to mm-hmm. admit that climate change is urgent. Um, that there's innovation in capital, not n- not for food, right? Not yet, but you see it.
2: I mean, Energy. Germany
0: has is, just issued a, a big um, bond offering for COVID recovery stuff that okay. was specifically a green bond offering, right? So mm-hmm. that has some parameters around it. Now, that's not food yet, but what right. I find encouraging about that is that at the big systemic in financial industry level, people are saying, holy buckets, we got to get our act together here, Um and I think it's up to people, it's up to organizations like FFI and, and, and entrepreneurs like you to keep hammering at people in, who, who are in positions in, in financial institutions and with impact investors that know, in fact, this is the kind of capital people need. It's not helpful to write a mortgage for people because they could right. go to a bank for that. That's not what they need. Um, so we just got to keep hammering at it. And hopefully ecosystem services and other sorts of, of innovations and in financing and understanding how to, you know, get, internalize these external benefits um, mm-hmm. will create more financial instruments as well. I don't know. But it, we, I totally agree with you that we are not there yet by a long shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Ma- sadly. makes the
1: uh, it makes the puzzle all the more uh, fun. Challenging, and challenging. Like, I how know. Do you do it with a shoestring? Um,
0: yeah, I get not, it. Uh, and you have to, and the and the margins on you're selling a real food product. It's not going to be like selling, you know, cheap right. backpacks from China, right? It's, right. It's a different. It's a different equation altogether. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, the, on the good news front, though, you are an example of a brand that has reached um, significant sales levels, I would say, for online sales. I mean, a lot of food brands are, like, happy if they hit 50,000 in sales, and you're, like, way beyond that. Um, yeah,
1: we wouldn't exist. <laughs> we, yeah, we went right. all in, <laughs> pushed all our chips in the table on the on the website. So, right,
0: yeah. right. No, so, I mean, so there, there are things that, about what you're doing that are... Um, that that you, you know you started you were at the bleeding edge you're now at we'll call I think you're at the cutting edge now yeah. <laughs> good news it still hurts right <laughs> but maybe I, I have some armor
1: so but not all the armor Are, so, yeah. the yeah. armor
0: isn't there yet yeah yeah. yeah. So, so more growth, I mean, and the growth is constrained by capital so that the exercise of continuing to, to work on raising capital so you can to support your growth is still a thing and carcass utilization, right? Yep.
1: Yeah. And I think so, and that's the, so, so those two big pillars, um, are, are front and center. My, my own personal journey as an entrepreneur, I've been, uh, I don't, I'm not frustrated by the, uh, carcass utilization. I'm frustrated in a, in a significant way, um, I've had to bite my tongue on how, how high I wanna climb up on the soapbox on that topic. But the thing that, that counters um, my frustration with the uh, inability of capital to get in the game is, the concern. and maybe this is where I, I gotta uh, figure out a way to work with my customers in the partnership
2: mm-hmm.
1: to, to fund it. And, yeah. and that's like, to a certain extent, that, with, with the help of some uh, with the key rancher and, and some processors, um, it's really been the consumers, mm-hmm. our customers who trust us and say, Yep, I'll put my credit card in here and I'm gonna wait a week and uh, and I hope uh, your products are as good as uh, everyone says it is. Mm-hmm. And so, that's that's really um, you know, if, the, if there's one key thing that other entrepreneurs can take from this, is that 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 is absolutely a, uh, a foundational element of it. Um, yeah. Investors don't always, uh, in fact, I, I'm trying to think of how many conversations I've had with investors who've asked, what do your customers think? Yeah. Like they want to they see financials or, or something different metric as opposed to right. uh, the salesman in me said, well, n- nothing happens until right, something sold, something. right? So, yeah. so let's see what the uh, people who bought it.
0: <laughs> you know, when it, when we were doing the Terrace Way things starting up in the pit of the great recession and I had, you know, oh my god, like the magnitude of what the going backwards was just unbelievable cuz we had this huge plant, right? Mm-hmm. Um the thing that kept me hanging in there at that time was Literally, this would just happen. I'd be on an airplane, and somebody would be talking next to me, and I'm I'm the kind of person who is that annoying person who tends to talk to my to people next <laughs> to me in the an airplane. And, um, but then they, they'd ask me what I did, and I'd tell them, and I'd get these stories that would break break my heart. I mean, people are like, oh, my God, that's you. My mother you know, had breast cancer, and you're... Whey protein is on her shelf in on her oh, kitchen wow. counter, and and she swears that she wouldn't be alive without your whey protein. Oh my gosh! And and buyers who like a, a Willie Street buyer, that's our hippie co-op here in Madison, um, um, said that he had to tell me this. He saw me in a store. He said, "I have to. T- I promised you this customer. I would tell you this when I saw you." He was. Um, He's uh, paraplegic in -hmm. in a wheelchair and came in initially, and his doctor had said he needed more protein in his diet, and specifically they suspected, and I think this is actually, there's more evidence that it's true now that it affects you neurologically, that glutathione can benefit your neurological system. So his doctor, he, he was at the point where all he could do is move his finger to, you know, to mm-hmm. advance his wheelchair. Um, and he was all slunched, oh, hunched over in his wheelchair. And he came in and, and said that, the, that his doctor had recommended that he get some whey protein. And he came into Willow Street and the Willow Street, per, the you know person in the department said well this is the cleanest product and you know it's local and why don't you try this and apparently he came back in um like two months later three months later that kind of time frame Mm -hmm. and he was sitting up in the wheelchair and he said you gotta tell her what happened it transformed my life yeah yeah and that i mean that's that's I mean, you know, you hear stories like that, you're like, Okay, I'm gonna suck it up and somehow make it through this.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, know? I get the same like, I get the same calls where people yeah. uh people can't eat um conventionally raised beef. Right.
0: Um,
1: whether it's the fat content or it's what's in in the muscle fiber or in the muscle fat, like whatever it is, like, there's something that's not uh green, whether it's autoimmune, it's it evolved mm-hmm. toward autoimmune or or just like, hey, this isn't working for for the way it makes me feel. Um, and, um, a, a very unfair, uh, diagnosis is, well, you, you shouldn't eat red meat.
0: Right.
1: Uh, no, nope. it's, it's, it's really, uh, how the animal, how the red yeah. meat was, uh, was raised where it lived, right? It's, uh, it's health. And, and then, uh, so, so people get to bison, uh, trying for something and, and they come back and say, you know, your bison is great. I, I don't eat any other red meat. Yeah. Besides it, and so that's it's working for them. Like that, that, that's where.
2: Yeah. It's
1: where everybody's got to take it. Consumers got to take on some responsibility of, finding out what works for their gut, mm-hmm. and uh, and and the puzzle that they can uh, solve for. But um, yeah, yeah. Being neglected, it's 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 not. It's gonna end bad. So
0: yeah, and that's you know those are the stories that um that keep us going through the tough times, and yeah. certainly COVID. Um, you know you can have. Four hundred percent growth is, is sounds awesome and like wow, what a lucky guy you are, but that's so much growth to have to do that that I know how hard that is, right? Like it's, well, it's not easy to grow that. No, much. it's not
1: easy because like so we ever the
0: systems break down, right? Like, yeah,
1: I didn't have a customer service person before the yes. Yeah. Well guess what? Okay. People have questions. FedEx yep. fails. Who's yep. gonna process the refunds? Who's gonna do the new orders? Who's gonna answer all the questions? Mm-hmm. So so that you need that. Um I, I didn't have that much. I had a bunch of inventory just by uh by luck of timing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: but then when you run out, right. Uh, I I can my business can go away because I sell out too.
0: Yeah. So right.
1: so so the the uh challenge hasn't um been the typical, wow, sales went away. Right. No. Your your infrastructure can't support this yet. Whether it's financial infrastructure, whether it's Mother Nature's um, timing.
0: Is there something burning you want to say before we close? I,
1: I think we've touched upon some of the 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 big themes that whether whether it's something of value that I can share with entrepreneurs, something of value that I can share with investors, with uh, consumers, or or potential entrepreneurs, or people that are that are in the the larger food finance universe Mm -hmm. that i think i've touched on all the the big themes yeah uh, or cautionary warnings or the the wishes that i want to put into the universe
0: yeah
1: um the and i I think we've done it in a way that's um profound enough um like that's, that's what I think sometimes I think you, you get this with all the people that you interact with is the, these are the opportunities to, um, turn some light bulbs on. Yeah.
0: exactly. And
1: like, if it, if we turn light bulbs on, that's, that's a win. Yeah. Um, you also don't want to, you're, you not want to lose the opportunity to, um, basically the stage,
2: yeah. uh, oh, to, exactly.
1: uh, to communicate some stuff that's, that's, uh, big, big deals that, uh, that we usually don't run across. So, um,
0: I think we did a good job of that, Sean. I I really do. And I don't, I think, you know, all the troubles that you're having are, came out in a way that is really good and constructive. So I'm not worried about it at all.
1: Good. That's, and that's, as we're talking about it, the, like it's, (laughs) I bet you could go down your roster (laughs) of entrepreneurs that, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, here's their top three near death experiences. Oh yeah. Uh, we right? had
0: one this morning. <laughs> so, We're having right, so, one th- right. it's like, oh yeah.
1: <laughs> right. I have one right now. And so like for for me to uh what was me. This sucks. Wham whang like d- get out of get out of the game then. Don't don't be an entrepreneur. So so for me it's uh there is nothing I wanna do other than than this. Uh despite the the giant um Wall, I got to figure out or, or the bullets that are coming at me.
0: Hey, Sean, thanks for yeah. joining us today. It was so good to talk to you and um, hang in there because these are tough times for everybody. Um, growth is tough and um, we're all here cheering you on.
1: Totally. I, I, I am super grateful that uh, you have created this podcast, that you've created Food Finance Institute, that you've built uh, communities around it to where entrepreneurs like myself can can access the resources that you have, um, but also network and, and learn, but then also, uh, and this is what I truly enjoy, it fills me up, is, is to be able to give back to others on the same mission that, um, like here's, here's the map that I figure out, here's where I almost died, here's, uh, here was a little pot of gold, that, that I found along the way here, here are who are the friends here here are the one here are the enemies um, that y- you've created that community that's not just desperately needed but but um, to where we can that that ecosystem
2: yeah right
1: the uh, the the blade of grass uh, needs the bison
2: yeah.
1: uh, the the dung beetle needs the bison to take a big old dump right and and they all work together so um, I'm super grateful for that. I hope that anyone listening who is considering being uh, a food entrepreneur or agriculture entrepreneur, um, that there's never enough homework that you can do. But more importantly, that there is massive power in in action. So so s- sell something, uh, get the feedback, um, go go, bug the shit out of a. Of of an investor, a bank, or something to, to give you a loan for for to do something with, right? Um, because uh, those and I'm not even close to being a uh, early in the game, but many have come before me. Um, but we need others following up to to basically take the game to the next level. Um, it's it's not only super scary and 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 financially uh, risky, but super rewarding, super worth it. Um, and uh, and the, the universe needs you.
0: Yeah. So The universe needs you too, Sean. So thank you so much. We're going to be talking in the future again. And good luck with the holidays. I hope you kick it. Hit the thank ball you. out of the
1: park. Thank you so much. Awesome. I, I look forward to our next conversation.
0: Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.